the motivation for me, this aha moment, if you will, was we're building something that isn't there yet, but we'll get there. Mm. And that was when you're ready to build a Millennium Falcon or something else, like we'll be there for that because that would be cool. And the next thought that was going through my mind as I was watching them launch the rocket, uh, and then it explodes because that's what happens, I guess, right? right? It falls apart. Um, you see all the shrapnel falling down. I was like, what better reward is there than a shrapnel from a guy who tried making an X-Wing fighter? You can get that. It's a little memento. It's a story, right? And so where I have a story about it being Kickstarter influential, um, other people kind of have a story of like, I funded that thing. Super cool, right? Today in this episode of Design Of, I'm excited to share some of the story of technologist, designer, entrepreneur, and one of the original founders of Kickstarter, Charles Adler. By now, I'm sure most of you have at least heard of Kickstarter, maybe helped fund a project, or possibly launch a project. But for those who may not be familiar, Kickstarter is an American public benefit corporation based in Brooklyn, New York, that maintains a global crowdfunding platform focused on creativity and merchandising. The company's stated mission is to help bring creative projects to life. Kickstarter has reportedly received more than $4 billion in pledges from 15.5 million backers to fund over 250,000 creative projects, such as films, music, stage shows, video games, technology, and food-related projects, just to name a few. People who back Kickstarter projects are offered tangible rewards or experiences in exchange for their pledges. This model traces its roots to subscription models of arts patronage, where artists would go directly to their audiences to fund their work. But for more on that, let's get to know Charles and how he found his way to this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I started with the only question I could think of, which is, how in the world did you even get this opportunity? Brilliant, I know. Yeah, um, so it actually, I would say two things. It has to do with um, dropping out of school. It has to do with this, the, the place that I worked when I dropped out of school. Uh, I would argue the community within that corporation uh, and it very much had to do with subsistence, um, and and then uh, maybe the other part of this like nomadic part of my life, which is to say I moved quite a bit, and I was living in New York at the time. So how that all comes together is there was a friend of mine, uh, or a guy who became my friend uh, at this company that I was working at, this agency that I dropped out of school for. Right? In Chicago. In Chicago. He was in Chicago, um, and... <coughs> This is now 90, uh, sorry, 2006. So I had moved around a lot in that period of time from 96 to 06. And in 06, um, I was living in New York. I just quit that agency that I'd worked at and um, was starting up my own design practice, web development, product development practice, um, which is to say I quit, bought a Mac and said, I'm open, right? Uh, and um, and so this friend of mine, I would say connecting the, I, I think connecting the dots outside of just like skill, right? And so when I say skill, what I was doing for the majority of that time was, at the end of it was um, strategy and I became a partner at this firm, um, partner um, in business strategy, if you will, or, or product strategy, um, but also information architect, which I think is still maybe a word, but you know, architecting the information yeah. of a website, um, and some development and design. Uh, and so um, him knowing that, and him also being um, college friends with one of the guys I would end up partnering with on Kickstarter. So before we get too far into the story, let me first talk about the three original partners. 
Kickstarter launched on April 8, 2009 by Perry Chen, Yancey Stickler, and Charles. Since its launch, Time Magazine, for example, called it one of the best inventions in 2010 and one of the best websites in 2011, just to name a few of its accolades. All three of the founders are creatives in their own right and coalesced at just the right time. Um, they were freshman college roommates, and so it was the typical call where Perry, um, Kickstarter co-founder number one, I'm number three, uh, calls Scott Hebel, uh, mutual friend, and says, yo, do you know anybody who can help with like design or strategy or product development? And he's like, well, I know there's one guy who, right? And so that's how the connection was made. Um, and so that was maybe the end of 06, beginning of 07. Perry was living in Brooklyn, I was living in Brooklyn. Uh, and, um, and so we just got, got in touch, jumped on the phone. And what I would say is in that moment when Perry was describing what would become Kickstarter, what was in his mind, and I can give you backstory of his story, but um, at least at the, uh, the moment we got introduced, he was telling me the story, um, not an elevator pitch, right, kind of like this conversation. Uh, my recollection is, you know, stopping him about two or three minutes into the conversation saying, I got it, like, I get it. And, and that moment for me was this kind of watershed moment of all of that past that I just gave you. The past that Charles and I talked about was really us going back into his early history and talking about all the projects he had done up to Kickstarter. Charles is a great storyteller, and we explored mutual friends and his past fascination with technology, and it took us quite a while to get on track. We have all these circle of friends. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I can't believe I'm finally just meeting you. I, yeah. I actually think we've probably met before. Is that right? I don't know. I mean, between like Matthew and Tan and... Matt, uh, Hoffman, you mean? Yeah. Okay, and yeah, Victor, yeah. I think you know Victor Saad too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Victor, so Victor very well. And I are really good buddies. So okay. All of those guys have been on my show. Oh, no shit. Which is hilarious because they kept saying, yeah. hey, have you talked Charles yet? And I'm like, no, I don't want to meet him. <laughs> and so our, our email, I was looking at an email. Uh, so it's been like, like two years or something like that. But I digress. Charles grew up in Connecticut, and as he called it, in the land of Martha Stewart. Fun fact, he called it that because one of her shows were filmed there. Growing up, he was interested in street art, skateboarding, breakdancing, and all the forms of music that aligned with those interests, like punk, hip-hop, and electronic music. He was also very interested in outdoors, cycling, and was an Eagle Scout. So he was already a pretty amazing mashup that was also into computers. He attended Purdue University, and while there, had early access to the internet because of Purdue's state funding and connection to the Department of Defense. He decided to drop out, but did work with some design agencies and created several side projects where he developed sites for musicians that shared music, art, and brought people together, really before that was even a thing. All of that past that I just gave you kind of washing over me and, and saying, oh, what he's talking about, how he's framing, you know, say a, a way to think through solving the problem that I've been trying to effectively play with as side projects, subsistence and, and otherwise, um, is actually something that could be a business. This is cool. And I'll add this other layer to it, which is, um, you know, that whole decade that I was working at this, this agency, um, and arguably maybe even when I quit and started my own studio, um, I always admired those, th those folks that had gone out and thought of something to build that was innately built for the web and the internet. 
right? And so this was, an, if you wanna add another layer of excitement to what Perry was talking about, it's like this felt very innate to the, what I would argue is the values of the internet, right? Connecting disparate individuals around a common goal or common um, interest. Um, it was about um, creative self-expression. Uh, it was about community and just connection. Uh, and, and then at the end of the day, it was um, enabling creative people to produce and distribute work uh, in a very kind of DIY punk rock way um, without the guise of someone thinking about how big that thing needs to be in order for the group of them to make money. So it's kind of a reference to industry, mm -hmm. right? Um, so anyway, so we met by virtue of mutual friends. Yeah. So how long from that, this may be too big of a jump, but how long mm. from that first call to yeah. the point where you were collectively working together and... and oh, that was like this immediate. Was, this was a thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that was pretty immediate. So so at the time, um, so I should, I should pause and just say Perry had um, run into a situation in his life um, that led to a... Uh, uh, the result was frustrating for him and that was back in 2001 in New Orleans you can read about that that's like on the internet only. the story of Perry New Orleans goes something like this Perry attended Tulane University in the Big Easy and in late 2001 Perry was working as a musician after experiencing difficulty in getting two Austrian disc jockeys and the venue management to commit to a performance without money up front he developed an idea to connect investors with artists and musicians that would enable the latter to produce, develop, and promote their work. He imagined a process where fans could pledge money to see a performance. And if enough money was pledged, an amount sufficient to cover the production cost of the performance, fans or participants would be charged and the show would take place. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Um, and so imagine 2001 to 2006, 2007 when we met. That was a long stretch of time, right? Now he's gestating on the idea and, um, you know, whatever. It was like a side, side men mental thought for him, I I'd imagine. Um, and, and so there was a number of years that he had been thinking about this. And then maybe a year, I think, or so before um, Perry and I were introduced, he had met Yancey, right, co-founder number two. Um, and... Uh, he had eventually come on board um, and again smitten with the idea and again connected to what I would say is like underground culture um, around the arts and creativity and so for me I mean think about that moment like I just maybe a year earlier quit this agency and um, was taking on clients so in this case I was thinking initially is like cool here's like a cool project and um, this is a client, but it's a startup. They haven't got any money, so it'll be quick, but it'll be cool, right? So that's the way I kind of went into it. Um, and like the very next day, I went over to Perry's apartment in Bed-Stuy, and we just hung out. And it was, the, the contract was very handshake, right? Like I knew, I trusted Scott. I trusted Perry because I trusted Scott. Um, I think Perry trusted me because they trusted Scott. And, um, and so the relationship was, hey, um, and this is from Perry. Hey, if if um, let's if you're willing to kind of play for a few weeks, um, so that I can get what I think I need out of this, um, I'll pay you something, right? Um, some sort of 
frame of reference for what that would be. Um, and, and then if at that point I don't feel like I've got enough and we need, I need more of your time, then let's figure it out from there, right? Uh, and that felt fair, that was cool, right? Uh, and again, I was like in love with what he was thinking about. Um, and so it was very casual. And, and, and I, I think it's important to note that like Perry's not a web developer, he's not a, you know, he is a designer, but not in the tangible sense, right? Um, and so I say that because I don't, he didn't, and I think he'd admit this, he didn't know what he didn't know, right? And so he'd never built a website before, maybe he had a MySpace page and stuff like that, but he never really built anything um, in the frame of what we're having to build. From scratch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or thinking through like product development or right, like interaction design, right? Um, and so he didn't know what he didn't know and that was where that comment was coming from and I was totally open to that, like I, that was cool. Um, and I didn't know him either, right? And so um, clearly uh, the relationship went longer and we kind of codified that into a partnership. But um, yeah, it was, I mean, literally the next day I just started working with him and you know, we hit it off really well, we collaborated really well. Um, and um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I know a lot, there's a lot of things kind of published about this, but I, so I have just a couple questions to curiosity. Yeah. Because as a design firm owner, yes. I've yeah. had probably 50 of those meetings. Yeah, yeah, And so you're telling me this, I'm like, oh yeah, I've had that exact same thing. And now, unfortunately, it didn't turn out into something. Yeah. You know, um, but, the, but there's something thrilling mm. about building something, yep. especially if, if you're passionate about it and it aligns with yep. kind of what you are motivated by. So, yep, yep. Uh, what do you want me to break down there? Well, I'm gonna, a few I'm, things. I was, yeah. No, it is, the, the question I had is probably more tactical and probably not as big as what you were thinking, but mm. like, where did you start? Because as, as far as like kind of coming up with the, the experience, I mean, I know there's oh, some stuff Oh, got you. Like from there. a design perspective, yeah, where do we start? Yeah, yeah so... Um, we both agreed um, that it was the project page that we needed to figure out. Like that was the crux of everything. And then everything else kind of comes from that. And from my point of view, that was really like, you can't, like there's nothing to architect if there isn't that, right? Um, effectively the home page and any index discovery kind of page um, profiles are all gonna be built around what I would say is the cornerstone of, of what we were wanting to build which was a project page. So from day zero, it was always like, there was a page that you were gonna go to and you were gonna see this thing, um, hear this person out, and you know that would be the uh, path into funding that project. So, so yeah, we were just obsessive about that and then everything kind of built around it. Um, I think that's fairly commonplace at this yeah. point, yeah. right? Um, but maybe on the, on the bigger frame to talk a bit about um, like how I got involved. Maybe again, this is a little bit of a makeup of me. Like even when I was working at the agents, this agency. Like I again, I was in love with the call, call it the craft of what we do, um, and uh, and so I was working all hours, whether it was for Deutsche Bank, right, who was one of our clients, or whether it was for subsistence. And I always met like there was fluidity between those things, right? I'm on the plane going to London to go meet meet with Deutsche Bank, and I'm working on my laptop, working on some assistant stuff while also swapping back to some PowerPoint slide or keynote slide, right? right? So whatever. Um, and, um, and so it was very fluid. Um, and I, I would say, you know, when I say start an agency, it was an agency of one. 
So I didn't have any like overhead, literally no overhead other than like my apartment, right? Um, and so it was very easy to make this decision um, and um, because it was really just my time, right, that I had to manage between like other clients. And um, I will say though, like when I first met Perry and we first started working, there was a, another agency that they were working with on the development side. So technical firm that it was presumably building stuff, um, that relationship didn't go very well. And I would argue the, um, I don't know, I'm curious what your reaction would be on this, but um, you know, the motivations are, were misaligned, right? And what I mean by that is as an entrepreneur, right, our business is to build this product, right? Hell or high water, right? We're building this thing and there's just like a, a different mentality to it, right? Whereas with the agency, um, you know, there's, you have staff to deal with, right? And what I mean deal with, I mean like pay their uh, employment, right? Uh, there's probably your office that you need to deal with. So there's all this overhead that you need to deal with day to day. And that is, you know, the economics there are probably incompatible with, um, with a startup. And then there's this layer of like equity. So you give them equity for a discounted rate, um, but the um, folks that we were working with, their business was starting to take off, which was great for them, super cool, um, but ended up sucking hard for us, which means as they were getting clients to pay full, full price, and we were there at like a quarter of the price, if not lower, right? It was just like, ah, those Kickstarter guys can wait another week. It's like, no, 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 we can't wait another week. Your client could actually wait another week, literally, right? Like, meaning they have enough money to pay you, the business is going well, clearly they don't want to wait, right? But the reality it was a feast or famine for us, like we need to get out the door. Um, so I think generally th that's changed a lot now in the sense that, you know, now there are these, um, you know, equity is maybe a little bit more understood from that world. I think there's also just this whole concept of a venture studio, right? Which is either a, a kind of an agency model that is working purely on equity or they are building their own innate tools to then sell them. Um, so, so the world's different now, but, um, but I think there's just an in incompatibility, equity versus cash. Yeah, I mean, I think what we've learned is we've tried, you know, I experiment a lot with possibilities. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So yeah. we failed. We've actually been that agency on accident. Yep, okay. We had yep. a different issue. Yep. We were needing to bring more cash in. And yep. so we had to say, hey, can we, you know, push yep. you a little bit so we can finish this work? And, and, yep. and also, quite honestly, it was embarrassing at the time because here I was, they came to us, we had a great reputation, all of a sudden we're struggling yeah. or whatever yeah well that, that, that's optics yeah. too so yeah I think no i think that's is, interesting yeah, yeah for sure you need to spend more time on business development or whatever yeah. right yeah so two things happened what we did is one don't take it unless you're going to treat it like a full paying job that was part of our yep. perspective yep so that means since that's not our full-time thing we limit it yeah yep yep and then uh the number number thing is is hey if you truly we have a respectful trustworthy relationship and let's yep. be transparent and then we would just have really transparent conversations yeah which i think part of that transparency is understanding the mechanics of each other's business for sure right um yeah and i don't know i, th I think that's just a difficult one does um, that mean that you had to take over a lot of the technical stuff or build a new team or oh yeah yeah, yeah. so we ended up firing that team um we went through three we went through two more teams um and then finally hit it with uh, the third te uh, fourth team, which was 
like 100% ours, like built, uh, meaning individuals. Mm -hmm. They were, and I, and I actually love this story. So um, in, the, in the throes of like meeting Perry and Yancey, starting to work with, with Perry on product, um, I'd gotten itchy again living in New York. I'd been living there for three years and I wanted to move out west again to California. So it did that, still doing Kickstarter. Um, and in the throes of being out there, um, my wife became pregnant. Um, and it sounds magical. Uh, and so we ended up moving to Chicago for, um, you know, sort of family help on that front. Um, and uh, I say all that in that we were moving all around. So we were already kind of um, virtual. Uh, and so the final team that we had hired um, was spread out around the country. We had a guy in Houston, a guy in, um, I think, Sarasota, Florida, and then another guy in Walla Walla, Washington. Um, oh, that's fun to say. It, isn't yeah, it? Isn't yeah, it? Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he ended up working for us full time for a number of years and then um, recently moved back, a couple of years ago, moved back to Portland. So he's back in the same vicinity, but not in Walla Walla. Yeah, Walla Walla is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, um, yeah, so that was, I would say, like just the, the mechanics backstory yeah. of, of that. And, and, you know, note, um, we didn't launch until April 28th of 2009. So there was a long stretch, even when I got involved, right? Let alone Yancey a year later, a year longer, and Perry, you know, 2001. That's a kind of a so crazy. So how, how did you personally make ends meet? Like, were you still doing. Still design doing. Jobs yeah, I was still doing. Uh, so two things. Uh, my wife had a day job. Right, so sugar mama, uh, mm -hmm. and um, I was I still had a I was like weaning off clients. I had this one last client that I couldn't shake, right? Which is good, right? Um, but it finally came time to drop them uh, and hand, basically hand them off to to some folks to, to manage the account um, because Kickstarter was launching and take, starting to pick up speed, and I wanted to spend more time on it. Um, and it, quite frankly, it was just getting exhausting just staying up till, you know, I mean, the, the, the work pattern was get up at six, go to bed at two, right? Uh, and it was like from two to four is kind of like when you're getting the agency, you know, the client work done, which was disrespectful of them. Um, at the tail end, it was mostly um, friends of mine that I had contracted to do the tactical work and I was basically doing client management, you know, oversight, so. So, um, tell me for you, what was the moment yeah. that you said, this is a thing, or Kickstarter, Kickstarter's gonna make it, or, or however you wanna define that. Like, was there ever a moment where you're just like, Ooh. Yeah, so I, I mean, it's funny, because I think um, everybody wants this, like, the aha moment, right, as whatever the ad campaign was, right, that, that aha moment. And I think, really, it's like a, it's a series of progressive little, like, wins mm -hmm. uh, and and I, I think a lot of that goes into the, the it's like the unfortunate psychology of um, this sucks and we're not quite there yet right and I mean quite frankly I could say that about Kickstarter still it's like it's awesome uh, and I'm happy where it is but it's not entirely where I would like it to get to right um, there's always more uh, and um, and so maybe the first, like the first, but I mean, you had to, uh, let me rephrase that. I'm assuming yeah, 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 yeah. that when you guys started, yeah. you all probably had, um, a quote unquote corporate goal that would be great if we got to X and maybe not, nope. or maybe you had one uh, individually. You know, I, I think the corporate goal, <laughs> the corporate goal, um, uh, was as simple as like, 
dude, let's get this done. Let's get this built and let's see where it goes from there. Right. Um, and there's no business plan. There was a, a pitch deck that allowed, that forced us the process to think through what the business would be. Like we did think about the business, like we're not, you know, um, kooky or whatever, but, um, you know, I think I, I describe what I'm, I'm trying to express the point that we didn't obsess over the business, right? Um, and there wasn't a, you know, billion dollar exit in mind, right? Um, I think it's also important to note that those stories are so few and far between, yeah. right? Um, that the majority of companies you never hear about because they never even make it, right? Um, or it feels like a lot of companies, especially in the digital slash web space, however you want to yeah. describe it, they might start with the passion, mm. but it's all about the bio. It's all about the eggs, and it feels like yeah. that's the common. I, I think, and I think there's a yeah, there's a play between those two things. I yeah. think there's a you can get into a whole discussion around um, how that. I think that's an evolution. Yeah, you know, and you look at the end of the day, like you're, you're looking at these other companies that are blowing up, you know, um, meaning hitting success, and that's not not going through our mind, right? Like this can be amazing, this can be cool. Nobody's working on this thing, or here's a few folks that are working on similar things, but you know, they suck, right? Of course. And um, well, let me ask a question differently. Yeah. Then. Okay. Well, I was going to give you an answer, which oh, okay, was like, okay. like you know, I was going to give you examples of a couple of moments that gave me that feeling that awesome. you're looking for, yeah. right? So I think one, admittedly, was that moment that um, Perry was describing what he was doing. So we hadn't built anything yet. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was, a, it was a visualization in my head of um, what I had already worked on, the communities I was a part of since I could remember, right? And the fact that I knew how to build this stuff, right? Um, so, so that was a, clear, a, a moment of clarity. Um, I would say, Another moment of clarity can be told through um, uh, the story of a Wired article that I had come across. And the timing of this was, say, summer of 08, um, so maybe eight months before we had launched. So we were in development. We had just hired um, or were just connecting with these last three guys. And um, um, the Wired article was about a guy and a cohort of folks that built a half-size replica model of an X-Wing fighter, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and exactly. Uh, and he was part of, all these folks were part of this, um, what I come to, came to realize is this other subculture of rocketeers that go down to Southern California into the desert and launch rockets. Like there's literally an area where they launch little rockets. And, um, and so this guy had, uh, done this project, it was a self-initiated project, side project. Some, he met somebody who ran a rocket company and donated this like $5,000 rocket and had all these people volunteering to build this thing. And what was interesting is, so I, I read this, I mean, the article was like two paragraphs, it was nothing. It was a centerfold in, in Wired, uh, two, right, two pages, big, you know, landscape photo with this rocket careening off into, into a beautiful arc. And so I look it up on, on Google uh, and come across a number of folks that had recorded the, the launch and the kind of the day, because <clears throat> clearly there's other people that were obsessed about Star Wars, yeah. right? And so the, the part of the story that was really interesting to me was right before he launched the rocket, um, there's like a little pedestal of some sort uh, where he is, you know, sort of um, christening the rocket and thanking everybody for coming out. So there's a small audience of folks that had come out. and um, 
and he was saying something to the effect of like, thank you for the, you know, to the folks who donated the rocket, thanks to all the volunteers who've done this tirelessly for like two years or whatever it was that they worked on it. Um, and if you feel so inclined, there's a bucket at the bottom of the stairs you want to contribute. And I start freaking out in my head with my headphones on up in Emeryville where I was living because we were building the bucket, right? We were building the bucket and I missed the X-Wing fighter, but the motivation for me, this aha moment, if you will, was we're building something that isn't there yet, but we'll get there. Mm. And that was when you're ready to build a Millennium Falcon or something else, like we'll be there for that because that would be cool. And the next thought that was going through my mind as I was watching them launch the rocket, uh, and then it explodes because that's what happens, I guess, right? right? It falls apart. Um, you see all the shrapnel falling down. I was like, what better reward is there than a shrapnel from a guy who tried making an X-Wing fighter? You can get that. It's a little memento. It's a story, right? And so where I have a story about it being Kickstarter influential, um, other people could have a story of like, I funded that thing. Super cool, right? Um, and then I think, you know, once we launched, there were pro people actually using the bloody thing um, to fund albums and fund little films uh, or fund books. And like, that was really cool. And so I'd say like, even from day one, like there were, people were using it, people were um, making it their own, right? Um, teaching us stuff about it. And I was like, oh cool, this'll be something. Um, will, it, will it be what I imagined, what, what, what it became? Um, that wasn't really the thought, but it was like, cool, this could be something. And um, were the rewards always a part of it? Rewards were always a part of it, yeah, 100%. Because yeah. Um, I, th I think I was on it almost from the beginning. Okay, but yeah. I, I can't remember the timeline. Yeah, okay. Because I remember someone asked us about it similar to why I was telling them what would be this podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. We yeah. should do a Kickstarter just to figure this out. Yeah, totally. Yep, should have done that. Um, we did, we didn't, we didn't get funded. <laughs> oh, that's right. And that's part of the experience, too, but right? We, so. learned, we learned a lot of the things we did. I'll give you, that reminds me of another moment. Um, so there was another moment where, um, I gotta track this project down because I don't remember, and I, and I think there's a Chicago origin to this, this person. So it was an artist who had a project that uh, launched, launched on Kickstarter to, to fund this art project. It's like a sculpture or something like that. And um, it didn't make, it didn't meet its funding goal. Um, and he would later write a blog post about his reflection of why it didn't go well and then relaunched it. So actually reimagined the project mm. and the campaign and then that one succeeded. And that kind of fits into this narrative that you know Perry and I and Yancey would talk about which is this whole like, it's not about failure, right? We call it unsuccessfully fundraised, right? Because we wanted it uh, in part through the design and the language, this idea of try, try again. Right? Like, failure isn't done. There's a learning point here. This is yeah. very entrepreneurial kind of moment, if you will, right? But we, we felt that it was like yeah. the best research project we could have ever well, done. Well, totally, right. And at least you tried, right? Yeah. And so, anyway, um, I think you, you just reminded me of kind of an experience that I wish more people would do, right? Like, I think most people, or I shouldn't say most people, but often it's thought of as, um, oh, I think it's like black mark on my identity because this thing failed and I was unsuccessful in doing that. And, the reality is it was unsuccessful, so nobody actually knew about it. Yeah. Right, so this is paradox. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, thank you for that. We finished our interview exploring the space for his latest project called Lost Arts. This concept was formed many years earlier in 2001. Charles wanted to make a piece of furniture, a DJ stand, to hold all of his gear. After deciding to build it, 
he quickly realized that not only did he not have the woodworking knowledge to make it happen, an understanding of the proper tools needed, or even how to use them if he did, he had no network of craftsmen that he could go to for advice and training. This was the catalyst for lost arts, because he did try to make this piece, and he failed miserably. We're building a company that empowers um, creative self-expression, right? Uh, and the conduit we used in the space you're sitting in is about the space of providing people adequate space to make things, the tools then to make them with, uh, and a community in which to, I think, spur your own ideas and or perhaps the development of that project, meaning like you, you, you're a creative person and you can draw an idea and you can come up with a business plan for the idea, but you, maybe you don't know how to use the laser cutter, right? right? Um, and so maybe you need to hire somebody or borrow somebody's time to use a laser cutter or have one of our staff members teach you. So um, in one way to think about Lost Arts um, is it's like a gym, but without the weights, add it, swapping those for tools. Right? Thank you to my brilliant friend, Charles Adler. Your curious nature and desire to explore ways to use various forms of old and new technology to bring creative communities together is awesome. Please keep doing your thing. For more on Charles, go to his website, charlesadler.com. That's charles-adler, A-D-L-E-R.com. I'd also like to thank Sleeping At Last for being the soundtrack to our show. For more on Ryan and his music, please go to sleepingatlast.com or search for Sleeping At Last wherever you get your music from. To Design Of's audio engineer, Steve Wick, who loved this episode just so he could explore his favorite Star Wars sound effects. Great shot, kid. That was one in a million. Remember, Force will be with you always. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did making it. If so, please give us a ranking on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. Tell others about our show and stay tuned for the next episode. Please follow us on Twitter at Design of Podcast and check out our site at rule29.com forward slash Design of Podcast. See you next episode. <laughs>